My oldest son wanted to watch the playoff game between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Houston Texans, and so I decided to sit down on the couch with him and watch the game, and we turned it on, and we were both rooting for the Kansas City Chiefs, but the Texans scored, and then they scored again, and again, and then it was 24-0 in favor of the Houston Texans. And so my son decided to leave the room because he was no longer interested in the game. And I sat there watching and I was kind of baffled at what was happening because the outcome was starting to turn into favor of the Kansas City Chiefs. So I brought my son back down to say, hey, they scored. Hey, they made a mistake and they now score off that mistake. They're coming back and we got a little bit more interested. And the outcome of the game was much different than what we anticipated. Today we're going to discuss what we can learn from that scenario when it comes to sharing our faith. I'm Jeff Eckert. I'm Jason Brewer. And this is The Thought Factory. The Thought Factory podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, cultivating students through biblical discipleship and spiritual disciplines using theology, community, and technology. Learn more at neverthesame.org. We're so glad you're with us for this episode of Thought Factory. We're going to jump in here in a second, but if you haven't, you need to listen to our last episode. We had this amazing conversation with Janine Carol Braben about something very, very significant that happened 50 years ago. We celebrated the 50-year anniversary of this movement that began with a group of young people called the Asbury Revival, and this is like capturing modern-day history. It's an amazing conversation and I'm so glad, Jason, we were able to have that, especially commemorating the 50th anniversary of the Asbury Revival on February 3rd, 1970. So go back and check that out. Our next episode, we're going to be interviewing the president of Dare to Share, Debbie Brasina, and continue this conversation we're going to have today about students sharing their faith. We're excited about that. And Jason, we've got coming up this summer this amazing event, Claim Your Campus 2020. We've been talking about it for a long time. The stories behind this event are truly remarkable. We always want people to know as, as we um, have more time to discuss Claim Your Campus 2020 that this is not just another scheduled event, Jason. This is something um, so much more in what we've seen God do. There has been so many times where in conversation people are reassuring that God is moving and, and this event is just part of God's movement. It's not us as an organization trying to put on this big event. It is God's movement and we are just joining in and trying to be a part of it. And we are being a part of it by him inviting us in to do this, this event in, in July in Kansas city. And it's incredible. The conversations that I hear from you or what the conversations that you're having of, of ministry leaders around the, the country and just the reassurance that God is doing something this year and we get to be a part of it. If you're listening to this and you're maybe just hearing about it or you have thought about it, here, here's the thing about this event, Claim Your Campus 2020. This is a this is a call to action for all of us. We we've seen students uh, struggle with anxiety, depression, abuse, and suicide and bullying and so much that students are bombarded with. And as you're listening to this. We believe that there's this call going out from God on behalf of what this event is about. This event is about 
bringing students together as a generation. There has not been a, a moment or an event like this in a generation. It's been several decades since there's been a national gathering of, of just strictly an event focused on middle and high school students. That's one of the things that's unique. But the timing of it, as you were saying, Jason, is in the midst of all the struggle that students are facing as adults, it is our opportunity to stand on their behalf and to help bring these students together to unite, to do something that's never been done, and that's bring change to every middle and high school in America. This event, we believe, will be historic, not because we're involved, not because uh, of what it is, but all the evidence that we've seen God do to bring about this event. And so, again, go to the website, claimyourcampus2020.com, learn about this event and how you can be a part of it. As an adult, we're asking adults to help bring students to gather together. And on this weekend, we are going to challenge and unite and inspire them to bring change to their school campus. And these days, being involved in youth ministry as long as I have, uh, I've recognized, and I'm talking with leaders all across the country about this, and we all agree, that students are are much less likely to come to our churches and youth groups than they were even five years ago, especially 10, 15, 20 years ago. And in my 30 years of, of student ministry experience, that is one of our greatest challenges that we face. And we can just say, well, they're not coming to our youth groups, so we give up. Or we take the strategy right to where they are. Where are they? They're on their campus. That's what this event is about. It's about mobilizing um, students out of this event to go and to reach their schools and to reach their peers. So it is an amazing thing, and you need to be a part of it. So again, claimyourcampus2020.com is the website, and we're excited about this event happening July 4th weekend. So for our discussion today, we are talking about students sharing their faith. Jason, you you mentioned this game that, that you watched. I happen to be watching it as well. I love watching especially the NFL playoffs. I know you're more of a college guy. Yeah, I'm not much into the professional sports. So, but any but your son roped you in. Yeah, any invite from my son to watch a game, a, an athletic competition, I'm all for it. He's really into football, and so he wanted to watch this playoff game. And I was like, yeah, let's sit down and watch it together. And that first quarter was for the Chiefs. It was a horrendous. They, like you said, Texans scored. Chiefs made a couple really critical errors early on with some fumbles and things that made the Texans just go on this run. And I remember watching it thinking, wow, the Chiefs were amazing this year, this season of 2019, uh, their football season, and it's all going to fall apart here in one quarter. And the coach even was saying, from the Texans, was basically saying, I know all of you are counting us out. And so it was amazing to hear that and then see how they're up 24-0. Yeah, it looked like it was going to be this big upset like we've seen a couple times yeah. already in this um, playoff season that we just went through. But So here here they're down 24-0. to And then, Jason, as you and I were talking about that in this episode, something really incredible happened with their quarterback, Patrick Mahomes. So I was fascinated with this game regardless because the Chiefs wasn't supposed to be down 24 nothing. They were supposed to win the game, and... So I came across an article, an ESPN article, where the reporter was talking to Patrick Mahomes and his response to his team when they were down 24-0. He was going up and down the sidelines and he was talking to his offense and his offensive linemen. And he was 
speaking to them as a leader. And the, the article was just, he was this field marshal just rallying his troops and he was just giving them hope in the game when they are down 24 points, the largest deficit in franchise history for a playoff game and they're supposed to win and he is he's not giving up he's not thrown in the towel he's not just accepting that scenario he is speaking to his guys he is talking to them and and giving them hope in a sense and so he was saying let's go do something special so what does this have to do with sharing your faith let me say this phrase and tie it in here have you heard this phrase before here it is preach the gospel at all times Use words if necessary. I've heard that phrase and variations of that phrase. Basically, the idea is let your actions speak louder than your words. And what I've seen over time is people uh, sometimes use that as a way to say, we shouldn't verbally say anything about our faith. Just let our actions speak for themselves. And that brings us to Patrick Mahomes. Jason, what you're talking about, what he did on the sidelines. He could have gone up and down the sidelines and said, nothing if he if he would have used this phrase in that scenario like be a great player and if necessary use words he could have gone out and said i'm just going to be a great player and show my team what a great player is but he didn't do that he did something else yeah he wasn't just trying to be an example of a really professional football player and doing really good things during this game it was his voice he was leading by example by using his voice he was speaking to his guys. He was giving them hope. He was encouraging them. He was saying, we got this. No, People are counting us out right now, but let's go do something special. And he was charging them. He was using his voice. He was using his words. He wasn't just standing there going, you know what? The next play, I'm just going to be really good and hope that everybody else will, will follow along. So I heard someone recently say this to me, and it really caught my attention when it comes to this word about preach the gospel, share the gospel at all times, and use words if necessary. Here's what they said to me. They said, that has been the most damaging and even, they said this, heretical statement about evangelism that uh, has damaged the church. And that's a very strong statement. And as I thought about it more, I think I'd probably agree with that because scripturally, there's really no basis for this idea of just Live your life and don't ever say anything about the gospel. And even though that that phrase doesn't necessarily say that, what's happened as a result of that phrase, and a lot of people I know, and I believe this is directly spilled over into student ministry today, is we live in a culture where it's like, be really careful what you say. You could offend people. And you know what? It's better to not say anything and just live your life. And when you... When we read Romans 10, 14, Paul says this, How then when they call on him whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? Now that doesn't mean, you know, someone standing up in a pulpit necessarily. It's this idea of we have to be saying out loud these things that, that we're passionate about when it comes to our faith. And we do it with every other arena of our life. If we get excited about something, Jason, you know I'm totally like this. I'm always like talking about things that, that I'm excited about or something new or a movie or yep. a team or whatever. And But when it comes to the gospel, it's definitely a different scenario for a lot of people that are Christ followers. They're just quiet. I think it's given them a 
a cop out, a, a way to not really live out their faith. They they see this aspect of evangelism and they cringe. It's like, I don't want to talk to people about my faith. I don't want to share with them the good news, the gospel of Jesus. So I'm just going to be a good person. And hopefully that alone will allow them to ask me questions and then I can maybe talk about it. I can speak for myself here too in the past that one of the barriers to that that makes it easy to use that as a cop-out is fear. I mean, if we were to boil it down, a lot of people are really afraid to share their faith. A couple reasons. One is because they're afraid of the response they're going to get from people. And number two, they're afraid because they don't really know how. And it, they're, it becomes intimidating because you think, well, I don't know enough about the Bible or about my own faith to be able to share. Or the third one is, I think that's a barrier, is my life's not a perfect example. So, you know, I don't want people looking at my life. But I think all those things we need to set aside and think about the biblical basis that Paul gives us there in Romans 10 to say, we need to be verbally sharing our faith with others that's important. And Jason, when you pointed out that scenario of Patrick Mahomes, I watched that game. I watched it all unfold. And I just wonder if if Patrick Mahomes would have not said anything on the sidelines to his team to inspire them, if he would have just sat there and just been internally inspired, would that outcome of the game have been the same? Because all of a sudden... The Chiefs score, and then they score. They score three times, I think, within under three minutes. Oh, yeah. They're, the amount of time that they scored, the same amount of points that the Texans did, was two seconds faster. So all of a sudden, they go on a 41-0 to zero scoring run, and the, the final score ends up being 51-31. So they outscored them by this massive amount, and they went on this historic role yeah. for their franchise and broke some other records and come back and and it was all sparked by this person that decided to verbally rally the troops and that's what we're talking about. And I think you can also look at them and go, well that's leadership. That's what he's supposed to do as the quarterback of the team. He's supposed to rally the troops and really show great leadership and speak into their lives and and then I would say, well isn't that what we're supposed to do? Like we are supposed to profess our faith. And, and if we believe in the hope that Jesus provides, then we should also provide that hope verbally to other people and not just hold it to ourselves and hope that somebody might someday ask us about how we live and the things that we choose to do. And, and so I agree. I think the, the outcome of the game is directly correlated to the fact that he was willing to use his voice and lead by example, but speaking into the lives of his, his teammates and saying, we got this and giving them hope because you could also look at that and go, there is no way we're going to come back from a 24 point deficit. They're going to score again. Even if we do score 24 points, they're going to continue scoring because they are, they're scoring. <laughs> like, yeah. how are we going to stop them? And so it was it was amazing because it wasn't just the offense that scored the 51 points. They the defense also kept them at 7 points from that point on as well. So it it was a whole team and it it spread. It went from the offense to the defense and it just it's a fascinating scenario that just when we look at evangelism, we can we can learn some lessons from Patrick Mahomes. 
So what we want to do in the next segment is we want to talk about the state of the church and sharing our faith and how that connects with students. We've got some research that we're going to talk about, some of our own with students themselves. And like we do on this podcast, we like to hear directly from students and what they're saying. We're going to hear what students are saying to us about where they are when it comes to sharing their faith. We're discussing this phrase, preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. And we're talking about some of the fault in that statement and what that's caused when it comes to people holding back from verbally sharing their faith, how important that is. Now, Barna's done some research, and a few months ago they came out with a report on the generational differences of people sharing their faith. Now, this particular research doesn't quite go back to Gen Z, which is our focus here of this audience. But it will give us a window because we're our, we have our own stats on Gen Z we'll talk about. But they ask some questions. And they ask multiple generations, millennials, Gen X, boomers, and what they call elders going way back four generations. Um, part of my faith means being a witness about Jesus. They made that statement. And across the board, 96, 97, 95% agreed of all those generations leading up to the millennials being the most recent in the study saying part of my faith means being a witness about Jesus. So overwhelmingly in their surveys, 95, 96% of all generations are saying part of my experience of following Jesus means being a witness. All right. Now they ask him this, this is what's really interesting. They made the statement, it is wrong to share one's personal beliefs with someone of a different faith in hopes that they will one day share the same faith. They made that statement, and by far, and this trend is really, really growing here, 47% of millennials, basically almost half are saying they believe it's wrong to share their personal beliefs with someone of a different faith in trying to convert them. So, about half a millennial saying, I think it's wrong to do that. I don't think I should. I don't think you should share your personal beliefs. We could discuss a lot of where that comes from, but the idea is previous generations that would agree with that statement went down to like 9, 11% saying that they think it's wrong to share your personal beliefs. So more and more people and more and more Christ followers in our culture, it seems, are agreeing with this idea that we should keep our faith personal when it comes to sharing verbally. We just need to live it out in our actions. And Jason, in the last segment, we pointed out the fault in that thinking. When you look at Scripture, it says, how are they going to hear if someone doesn't tell them? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news? It's not just actions are not enough. We need to verbally share. Even that phrase, preach the gospel at all times, you're like, ah, that feels good, that's good. That's a good word right there. Yeah, preach the gospel at all times. And then you go, use words if necessary. You're like, oh, I don't have to use words. Yeah. I don't have to say anything. Yeah. And it's like, it makes you feel good because you're you're doing what Christ is calling us to do and the, the Great Commission, you know, make disciples of all nations. And, and yet, how do you do that without sharing the gospel verbally? So this phrase kind of allowed, I think, over time to for this generation or the, the upcoming generation to 
say, well, I don't think I need to use words. I can just be who I am and, and live a good life. So in this research, David Kinneman, who's the president of the Barnard Group, talks about this and what this means. And this is really interesting for those of us interested in Gen Z, especially listen to what David Kinneman says. I'm going to quote him here. He says, to start, we must pass on resilient faith to Christian young people, planning especially for the pivot point of high school and college age years. The dropout problem is real and has a chilling effect on the overall evangelistic environment. It's impossible to exactly trace the impact of lapsed Christians on non-Christians, but sobering to consider the de-evangelistic clout of those who leave the faith. Even after they're committed to sustaining resilient faith, we must persuade younger Christians that evangelism is an essential practice of following Jesus. We must persuade younger Christians, he's saying, and that is so key. Because what we are learning with students in our own research, we, we interview and research with thousands of students all across the country from all different denominations and backgrounds. And we're asking these same questions. And we ask, um, we ask this question to students. I would share my faith with a friend or family member of a different belief system slash religion at risk of offending him or her. I want you to think about that. What percentage of students do you think would agree with that when we ask them, would you be willing to share your faith with a friend or family member that has a different belief than you do or religion at the risk of offending them? And here's what we found out. When we asked students that, 50% said that they strongly or somewhat agree with that. That's half. Half are saying, of students are saying, I strongly agree that I would share my faith at the risk of offending them. Now, 24% said they strongly or somewhat disagree, and then 25% are neutral. So let's split that in half, Jason, with this generation of Gen Z. Half are saying, I would share my faith at the risk of offending others. The other half is split in two, where they would 25% would say, I'm neutral. Basically, I'm not totally sure. And then the other half, the 25% would say, no, I don't think and I wouldn't share my faith with a person at the risk of offending them. These stats are startling. Yeah. They're the opposite of what you might expect from this upcoming generation in a sense that 50% are saying, yeah, I would share my faith. Now here's, here's where it gets revealing, Jason, because just what you said in our research, we all, we also ask the very adult leaders that work with these students in the research. That's what is so I'm just amazed at what we find. We ask adults, what do you think students would say? And here's what they said. So while 50% of students are saying, I would share my faith at the risk of defending them, only 14% of adults thought that students would be willing to do that. And the exact opposite, 73% of adults thought that students would... Completely disagree with Right, that. would disagree with sharing their faith at a, with the risk of offending someone. So if you have listened to this podcast for any length of time, you know that our research is based off of students and then what they think as well as what adults think students think of certain topics. And so again, we see the discrepancy in the numbers where the adults are going, I'm going to think that the students really disagree with this statement. And 73% of the adults said that. And yet it's the opposite. Yeah. 50% of the students are saying I would share my faith. And so how does that 
drive our ministry and our leadership and, and how we promote evangelism and how we promote sharing the gospel verbally. And as you are speaking to students, you, you're probably going to hold back because you think that they don't want to offend somebody. So you're going to probably give them tools to not share their faith. So uh, once again, we find in this research that students are so willing and they're ready. And I think that the risk that we have sometime as adults is we fall into maybe these patterns and we we kind of project that onto our students. So students are way more willing to share their faith and risk offending someone. And, and again, that's one of the reasons that's kept me in student ministry for as long as it has is because I always am inspired and find hope with, with the passion and the zeal that students bring to their faith. And again, Jason, you, you just mentioned it, but what are we projecting onto our students when it when we're thinking about them being willing to share their faith? When we're standing in front of them, and, and maybe the overwhelming majority of us as adults and as leaders might either be pastors or volunteers in our youth ministries, and we'll stand before them believing in our minds that they're not willing to take that risk and offend people when overwhelmingly they're saying, either yes or I'm not sure. Now, are we saying, oh, we should be offensive and we should be telling students to to try to go out and offend people? Of course not, right, Jason? I mean, we, we're not saying, oh, just go out and bash other faiths or religions. Somebody could listen to this and go, are you intentionally trying to offend somebody in their religion or their faith by pointing out what's wrong? And there's certain ways to talk to people. I mean, it's not just what you say, it's how you say it as well. And, and no, we're not advocating for finding all the faults in other religions and other faiths and, and beliefs and all that stuff and, and make fun of them or mock them and, and intentionally be offensive. It's naturally offensive to tell people that Jesus is the only way to get to heaven, to get to the Father, to get to God, you know, and that will offend people because there is a belief that there's multiple ways or there's other ways or you don't have to believe in Jesus regardless. And so that naturally is going to offend people. That's what we're kind of referring to, not not being rude and crass about it. Yeah, there's definitely a difference between offending people and being offensive. Yes. And we're not talking about being offensive. Now, whether people are offended with what we might say, that's a different story. But again, I, I, like you said, Jason, it's all in the approach and how we say it, and that's really important. And as we think about this idea, I want to say this, that... Quite often, when it comes to sharing our faith, and we're talking with students about that, and I hope as you're listening to this, if you have influence over students in any way, in any ministry context or discipleship or mentoring relationship that's integrated with faith, I hope that you are talking to them about sharing their faith because it's so important from a young age to have that as a part of who we are. And I, and again, Stats show that it's, it's overwhelmingly that Christ followers are saying it's important. And so as we're doing that, one of the things that takes me back to is Matthew 13. There's this parable that Jesus tells about a sower going out and, and throwing seeds and planting seeds. And when you read that parable, a lot of times we focus on the soils. We focus, if you know the parable, there's four soils. There's the thorny soil, there's the rocky soil, there's the path, and then there's the good soil. And we often get get focused on the soils, and that is a big part of the parable. But I want you to stop and think it from this perspective. 
the sower throws seeds out regardless of where they're standing. So clearly, and, and knowing the context and what this story was given, especially the path, the path were these places that were between fields that were walkways and they became kind of like um, highways for walkers in a sense. And these paths would almost become packed down like concrete. And, you know, imagine throwing a seed on concrete. It's just going to bounce right off. And that's what the path was like. And to me, what's fascinating, knowing that, thinking about the parable is this that the sower didn't discriminate where they threw the seed to grow and i think that's says so much about the heart of god and i think it should say so much about our heart and here's where the rubber meets the road how many times jason have we been in personal situations where we've been around someone and we felt that prompting to share our faith but then a voice inside of us says you know, they might be offended or they're not ready, and we prejudge them. What I say to people all the time, and Jason, we've talked about this on staff, is don't say no for someone when it comes to a lot of things. And we can talk ourselves out of asking someone or having a conversation. And I know I've done that hundreds of times. I've talked myself out of and go, they're not ready. This isn't the right time. But the sower there just throws the seed out and lets the seed do what what it's meant to do in that situation. We are so focused on the soils when we look at this passage, and I don't think that was the intent of Jesus to be so focused on, hey, make sure that you're getting the seed in the good soil. Right. I think he was saying, by grace, just sow the seed and let it fall where it lays and let it grow where it can and let him be the one that's going to bring life to that seed and not us prejudge, like you said, and saying, oh, I'm not going to, I'm going to save this, this uh, message or this good word because I know it's not going to be received well. So I'm just going to stay quiet. So when we're working with students, I just want to encourage all of us that we need to be reminding them, don't prejudge the soil. When you're at school, especially when you're walking through the hallways and you may think, that person's the farthest away from God, and we can just kind of, again, trick ourselves, talk ourselves out of things, and we just need to say, God, I believe that your your word, the gospel, and truth, and who you are is supernatural, and it can overcome all kind of bad circumstances and bad soil, so to speak, so I'm just going to throw the truth out there and share my faith, so helping our students understand how to verbally share is really important. We're going to be talking more about that. And I want to I want us to think about this thing that we referenced earlier that David Kinnaman, the president of the Barnard Group, said as a final thought for us today when it comes to helping students share their faith. And this is what he says. We must persuade younger Christians that evangelism is an essential practice of following Jesus. The Thought Factory podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, whose vision is to see new generations transformed in Christ to further the kingdom of God. Learn more at neverthesame.org.